Happy Monday on a day where the Celtics are going to play the Brooklyn Nets at TD Garden and try to continue their winning ways. It's been a while since you've heard me on the air. I'm Bobby Manning, and with me here is Chris Grenham. Bobby, what's up, man? So this is the Celtics blog podcast. We don't have a name yet, but this is... Still in the works. (laughs) This is just so you know, the official podcast at CelticsBlog.com, and... Shout out to Chris holding it down with Nick on the Banners broadcast, which was the official Celtics Blog podcast. So there's moving parts going on here. We had a break where we have a name under construction, but just know we're coming to you one, two times a week here. So make sure you subscribe to this on iTunes, everywhere else you get your podcasts. Look out for on Celtics Blog and uh, follow me and Chris. So Chris, I have an idea for a name. You ready? Yeah. We should call this show The Pace and Space. What do you think of that? The Pace and Space. I like that, actually. That's pretty good. Celtics don't run at a at a crazy pace, and they do space the floor better than most teams. So that's fitting for the Celtics. I think that could be one, yeah. If anyone out there listening has any ideas, has any good, please, please send them in. DM us on Twitter. In any way, shape, or form, leave them in the comments on Celtics blog. We can; it'll be under construction. We won't rush to grab a name, but I like pace and space early in here. I, I like that. I'm a fan. For episode one, that's the name. So let's get into it. Dirk deserves every minute of this. Yes, every second he has earned this kind of respect. He <laughs> here it is. It. Here it is. That's good. <laughs> One fourteen ninety three is the final tonight. Boston over Dallas. What were your thoughts on uh, Dirk and the reception he got? Man, I wanted him to make a shot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so Dirk Nowitzki, Chris, 0-10, 8 from 3. I think it was only his fifth game where he had zero points. It was his second since 2003. And we're, we're high above the garden watching this unfold. And it really got going within the last few minutes there. And as you heard Jalen say, everybody in the building just like hit a friggin' shot, man. Yeah, J- Jalen said it right. He was like, Jesus Christ, I wanted him to just make a shot. And it was it was cool. I mean, seeing Dirk still out there playing is cool. He had a season high in minutes on Friday <laughs> against the Celtics. So that was great. To It was just cool seeing him out there. But after a little while, it it kind of got sad. It was like... <laughs> Dude, he, the way the watching him yeah watching him move makes my joints hurt and and towards the end it was almost like it was a charity case like you've got poor yabu guarding him and and brad <laughs> wanamaker guarding him and it's like the whole crowd is chanting dirk what the hell are those guys supposed to do like just let him shoot let him run in like a charity case to the hoof it was it was it got a little bit uncomfortable towards the end but it would have been pretty great if he had hit that last second one at the oh, buzzer. That, that, that would was have... the saddest visual of all because the Celtics were practically walking to the locker room and he's jogging yeah. up the court like a kid to the corner, firing up a three if, on the guard. If floor. they could have, if he could have hit that, it would have been great. But uh, unfortunately, he didn't. He was over ten. It was kind of a sad, and, kind of a sad case. And how about that? A season high in minutes and a season low in points. You don't see that yeah. very often. Jimmy Toscano tweeted out it was the it was the first time he's ever played ten plus minutes in a game and not recorded a point. So that's the first time ever. I mean, Dirk's a legend. He he's a legend. And I think 
you know, you were there with me during warmups, watching him warm up alongside Luka Doncic. And I thought that was really, really cool. Luka, of course, is going to, you know, grab the torch from him in terms of, you know, the European basketball stretch. And he, and he is already a pretty fascinating figure and a lovable, lovable figure. As we've seen, he's kind of a, kind of a goof. So it was pretty cool seeing the two of them, you know, warm up next to each other. And like you said, it's kind of like a passing of the torch. Oh, and that, that that's the, exactly what it is on so many levels. The European players, Mavericks history, guys who play the game with so much joy. You see Luca, the smile on his face all the time. Derek Sporting, the exact same one throughout the game. There's so many levels to this that make it such a cool passing of the torch in NBA history. And Derek's going to be a high mark to hold up to. Championship is a tough thing to win in this league. And that Mavericks one in 2011 was one of the rarities in NBA history. So Doncic has big shoes to fill, but we saw him play. He's definitely I mean, Luca. Luca's totally more than capable. I mean, he's off to a great start. Of course, I've... A lot of his expectations are going to skyrocket now, at least for people around the league, you know, viewing him as a star just because of how well he has started off his career. But he's a multidimensional guard. He shows a lot of poise on the court, despite his some immaturities on the bench, which I I am a huge fan of. He has a lot of poise. He's multidimensional. He plays like a wing, but he's still an effective point guard. He's pretty good, better on the defensive end than I thought. But uh, I was pretty I was pretty impressed with him in in his my first time getting to see him in person. Yeah, blown away by the three-point shot. Some of those were bombs. And it was on a night where, thanks to Derek, they were going toward one of the worst 23-point performances of the last year and a half. They yeah. had that going for them for a little while. And I, I remember turning to you, I was like, this is this is working out to be a pretty good three-point defense night for the Celtics. And I thought about it later, and I'm just like, how much of that was just Derek? Yeah, it, it honestly well <laughs> too much of it towards the end unfortunately which was which was really too bad. But either way we had another you know we had another pretty funny quote from Gordon Hayward talking about how he was he was rooting for he was rooting for Dirk to to chase those points and uh and also kind of reverted back to talking about his uh his night on the other end of Kobe's final game. Was there bitterness there Chris? Maybe a little bit. Let's listen to this now. Yeah. <laughs> Were you guys yelling at Gershon? Just let him go to the rack? You know, the thing is, is I've experienced something like that. I was part of the team that was on Kobe's last game when he was at home. And, uh, oh, jeez. We know, gave him 60? We, we yeah. did give up. He shot it 50 times, but we gave up 60. <laughs> yeah, well, so I don't know. I, when I, don't I know, hear I don't that, know if I would say when I hear that, bitterness? when I hear that, he said, "Oh, there's 50 shots." <laughs> That's what anybody. Yeah. Dude, you have two people in the Kobe discussion, Chris. There's the Kobe stands, and there's the Kobe detractors. There's really no in between, and you you can tell who is who by who says, "Oh, he had 60 points," and who said, "Oh, but he shot 50 times." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, either way, either way. I enjoyed the the Dirk send off at TD Garden. Oh, no matter how last. no matter how depressing it, it turned out towards <laughs> the end. But let's uh, let's pivot here a little bit towards the next couple of days. So, like you said, Brooklyn Nets in town tonight before the Pacers come in on Wednesday, and then from that point on, the Celtics hit the road for a quick three game road trip until the middle of next week. So, Brooklyn Nets in town tonight. We've got you know some health back in this lineup you've got Kyrie expected to return Marcus Morris 
expected to return and robert williams still listed as questionable but he went through practice yesterday so either way he's yeah, got the him. right foot forward yeah so <laughs> so we'll, we'll get we'll get to robert williams in in a minute here but right, give us give us the injury update chris well the injury update with with mook and uh mook and Kyrie coming back Kyrie wasn't even listed on the injury report so that's good marcus morris is probable so they're both gonna be back in the lineup tonight Bill Sy just put out a pretty cool piece this morning on Celtics blog just regarding the Celtics lineup and offense specifically kind of how it's functioning at such a high level without getting into the paint or at the three-point line. So what do you what do you think Mook and Kyrie's reinsertion into this lineup is going to do for the Celtics because the last couple of games they've been running at a pretty high high efficiency and at a pretty sharp rate well you know what you're getting with mook which is the 50 40 90 shooting and who expected that coming into this year so i'm a little worried about him coming back being able to uphold that because it's tough for anybody healthy on walking this earth to uphold that total so him coming back with a little shoulder back issue right there i'm i'm a little worried that those slip up just a little bit and even if they do that's still great production but he was such a driving force behind the offense through from day one, like Brad Stevens said. And Irving, who would have thought this coming into the year? But you're about to gain some defense at that point guard position, the way he's been playing yeah. this year. And Brooklyn comes at you with a bunch of scrappy guards. They're going to need it. Great scores for at the one and the two there off the bench and starters so they're gonna need his defense going as much as his offense this week going up against indiana and victor oladipo and that backcourt and they'll see toronto later this week as well so prime time for i think toronto's next week i think i think toronto's toronto's next week after i believe i think i'm just thinking home games Yeah, probably home games. Yeah. So, but either way, you're you're right. I mean, the Nets are coming in playing some pretty good basketball. Winners of three straight. They beat the uh, Bulls yesterday. They beat the Grizzlies on Friday and the Pelicans in the middle of last week. I think it was Wednesday night. But I definitely didn't think at the beginning of the season we'd be saying when we get Marcus Morris and Kyrie Irving back into the lineup, we would be talking about Kyrie's defense and we would be talking <laughs> about Marcus Morris's consistency. But here we are. It's pretty nice. I'm enjoying it very much. And I think most of all, the Celtics depth has shined over the last, you know, two weeks or so because they've dealt with a lot of injuries, but they're used to doing that in the past. So if you're looking into a nice little piece on the Celtics offense and kind of how the hell they're doing this without getting to the free throw line, check out Bill size piece on the, uh, right on the cover of Celticsblog.com. Well, we heard from Robert Williams at practice as well. And when, when are we expecting to see him back on the court, you think, Chris? I don't know. Probably pretty soon, but it seems like they're taking their time. It, again, when they drafted him, my whole thing was the Celtics have a luxury that most teams don't, and it goes back to that depth. But they don't have to rush him into this lineup, and that includes when he's injured in a situation like this. So he's got a strained groin, but there's no need to rush him back. So they're taking it day by day, taking their time. The good thing is, is he practiced yesterday. He went through the full practice and he said he was feeling fine. Earlier this week, he was seen for the last two to three games, I believe, working out, going through his pregame routine with assistant coach Alex Barlow, um, as he normally does. And he didn't seem to be in much pain at all. A little here and there in the first, I think it was on Wednesday night, a little bit here and there. But on Friday night, when he was going through his pregame routine, he looked completely fine. So I think they're just taking their time with him. But, of course, they could use him back at 
any point because Aaron Baines continues to be out of line of Baines again, didn't practice yesterday, but he was a nice practice cheerleader. We could hear him from the media area screaming during practice. So that's, that's kind of nice. But unfortunately for Robert Williams, it was another quote that kind of took hold of Twitter yesterday. Yeah, do you think he knew it was Sunday? Uh, probably not. According to him, let's, we'll put the clip in here. Just the, the sole one about the days of the week. So let's give it a listen. But what's the biggest difference in the program? What, what didn't you expect? Oh, this might sound funny, but like, I literally don't know the days of the week. Like, I don't know. Like, I promise. Like, I can't tell you what today is. <laughs> like, I, I forget the days of the week. Uh, and with the traveling, like, mix up the hotel room numbers from the previous. It's, 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 a, it's a lot, man. It's, it's worth it, though. So, I, I do get where Robert Williams is coming from here. That's completely, <laughs> completely and totally relatable coming off of this stretch where the, the Christmas and new year's break area, where you've got some time off from work around Christmas, unless you're a basketball writer and you have to work on Christmas or around new year's. <laughs> and you know, it's that weird stretch where you have an odd work schedule. And I think this is pretty relatable. Oh, people was, hear this. It was yeah, an amazing like, wow, Robert quote. Williams doesn't know the day of the week. No, it's pretty relatable because for the last two weeks, I haven't known the days of the week either. So <laughs> I, I get where he is coming from. I think it makes total sense. Well, I just think it was so brilliant on so many levels because remember the question. It was, uh, what was what's the difference between college and the pros? And you hear guys, uh, the speed, this and that. Uh, minutes, opportunities, da, da 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 And Robert Williams, I see him creeping around practice. He's, he's a low-key guy. You probably don't expect an amazing quote out of him. And then he comes at that you know, pretty mundane question and just blows it out of the water. One of the best answers of the year because it plays right into the Time Lord stuff, everything else yeah. you think about this guy. And it's just hilarious because forgetting the days of the week, Chris <laughs> – I mean, the the problem the problem is is that the way a lot of like outlets grabbed the actual clip itself, it's like they didn't really include the question. And his actual like the quote itself was, "This might sound funny, but I literally don't know the days of the week." So the way it is framed, <laughs> it sounds like he actually doesn't know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It sounds like he doesn't know the actual days of the week. Well, but I mean, when you don't have it, to go to class anymore, and Troy Tro yeah. was there from the. Um, uh, mixtape show said it when you don't need to go to class anymore who cares what's monday and what's saturday (laughs) you know that's that's a that's a pretty valid point if anything robert williams is extremely honest which i have to appreciate and he also talked about mixing up the hotel rooms between cities so as he goes from one city he thinks he's in his old hotel room number wise and speaking of mixtape coley from mixtape had an awesome he quote tweet. I, I put up the clip of Robert Williams on Twitter and he quote tweeted it. Oh, and in book. regard to the hotel, to the hotel reference, Coley tweeted, you hear someone fumbling with the key card at your door. You open it and you see a confused, <laughs> you see a confused Robert Williams profusely apologetic. Once he remembers that he was in five twelve last Tuesday in Charlotte, which I just, I audibly laughed at. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, if, uh, Robert Williams opens your hotel door. <laughs> I, I'm going to ask him what day of the week it is. I'm going to test him on this. But I, I I think what, of course, this is the main quote with all the Time Lord stuff. And, and you know, of oh, course, that was so that perfectly took, that took over. But 
I thought a lot of the other things that he said during his short media availability yesterday were actually pretty solid because he was talking about, you know, of course, it's difficult for any rookie to adjust to the pros besides the fact that you forget the days of the week. It also has to do with, you know, how you find your role on a team and adjusting to the pro lifestyle, all the traveling and that stuff. It, it's not easy. It's the NBA schedule is a grind. My biggest... But then you add in the fact that you, well, then you add in the fact that he hasn't been playing over the last couple of weeks and that's difficult enough. So Abby chin asked him sort of, you know, how he's been dealing with that and sort of how he's, you know, trying to contribute. And his quote was pretty good. I'll read it here. He said, I just try to get as involved with these guys as I can when I'm not playing, because if it's a genuine team happiness, then it's going to be happiness around the whole thing. So I'm out there smiling, happy, even if I'm not out there on the court with them. I feel like I'm still producing in some way. So the fact that he's still trying to contribute and find ways to contribute to the locker room is pretty impressive in itself. I think that's a nice sign of a you know a potential maturity jump for him. And that was the key when they drafted him. My biggest concern was, is he going to be able to stay involved within the team? Because we knew he would be making occasional trips to Maine, the minutes weren't always going to be there for him, and injuries have played into it too, which is something we expected from Summer League. Right. The fact that he's been able to make a jump into that Al Horford stretch, have an impactful game or two there, the New Orleans one in particular was his best moment of his rookie season so far to me with the blocks and just a great plus performance off the bench. He had other games where he struggled. So if he's able to just stay involved with the team this year and make some strides I think that's a success of a rookie season for him because expectations shouldn't be that high for him right off the bat year two is probably where we're going to want to see some returns on that 27th pick yeah again he's still a he's still a raw 21 year old he's extremely talented has a ton of upside but back to the Celtics luxury they can take their time with him they can send him back and forth to Maine plenty I mean I think that's also lost in this whole thing about him not knowing what day of the week it is. Poor guy's going back and forth to Portland all the time. He's yeah. He's got a lot going on. I, there's, I can't, there's no days I, of the week in Portland. There's no days of the week in the G League at all, no matter what city you're in. I'm hoping that he can get back to the court soon, but either way, uh, he, he did say, back to the injury, he did say that he was feeling good and he was trying to get himself right uh, mentally, but he was trusting the trainers. He did have some imaging done earlier this week, according to Brad Stevens, and he said it came back positive. There was no, no issues there, so... That is a uh, that is a good sign. But, Bobby, you got anything else that you want to hit on ahead of tonight's Brooklyn Nets matchup? Well, I did want to hit on something that has a slight Celtics touch to it because okay. I want to know how much you think the Celtics factored into this news that we got late last night. Back here on Staples Center, breaking news from the NBA. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that Tom Thibodeau has been fired as president and head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Tom Thibodeau fired probably done in this league chris because the end was he's definitely not he's definitely not done in the nba Uh, all right maybe as a head coach maybe as a head coach but he will without question be back in in the nba in some shape or form but that was just a weird relationship oh yeah sort of bad tenure there it, it just wasn't great and towards the end i honestly don't think that he even wanted to be there anymore i think it was only a matter of time and in my opinion, I think they got, I think they got cold. You know, they got nervous a little bit because they saw Fred Hoiberg inching towards UCLA. They were in talks there, and I think they simply wanted to beat UCLA to that jump because they know, as everyone else does, that Fred Hoiberg wants to stay in the NBA. He'd rather 
stay in the NBA than go to college. So I have a feeling they wanted to jump and things weren't going well. It's just kind of tough for Tibbs. Oh yeah. Fired. You, you beat the Lakers by 20 plus points. You head into your office and then you get canned. Yeah, That's kind of that, different. That was the great reporting from Woj. Ethan Casson, accompanied by general manager Scott Layden, walked in the Thibodeau's office and fired him after the victory over the Lakers. Thibodeau had no idea his ouster was imminent, they say. <laughs> Not no, that's, funny, that's, but, that's difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's tough, but Tibbs is a hard nosed guy. I honestly don't really think he's probably at oh, the point he had where, to like, see this coming. Come on. Yeah, he did. He's a smart guy. He knows. And, and with the way that hierarchy was structured, it was, it was just bound to happen at some point soon. So it's kind of nice. Honestly, if you're a Timberwolves fan or even a player, you can now kind of move forward. I think they were going to be locked into an awkward set until Tibbs was gone. And so I think this kind of gets the process going early. Of course, they're going to be on that interim basis for a little while, which is also awkward. But I think this just gets the process moving, and I think it really helps. And it's too bad that they do have to go through a process again because you got your core. You had one of the best seasons in franchise history last year, and then it just goes crashing to the bottom that fast. And I'm stunned they did this so late with Tibbs with the disaster that was going on early in the season. Fun for us not fun for their fans and even less fun for that team what they went through with jimmy butler and then yeah everything that's happened it, since everybody's competing out west and they're sitting at the bottom it's it, it was tough to watch from the east yeah it, it wasn't great and i mean i think even with their good season last year it was kind of a mess in that locker room there was a lot of reports and a lot of mumblings around the league that even as they were winning it was not pretty there and so the team sees that the you know front office sees that everyone sees that so i i think the writing was on the wall there for quite a while and and again like you talk about relation to the celtics i think this is gordon hayward's fault he just drove that organization <laughs> yeah. up against the wall he said hey babe, i'm gonna bury you for 30 points again and now you gotta fire your coach so you can you can thank gordon hayward for that firing there's been a lot of silver linings this year in the celtics slow start and i think two of the big ones is that they ended the chicago bulls franchise and they ended <laughs> yeah. the Thibodeau era in Minnesota. So just like that, Gordon Hayward alone ended the Thibodeau era in Minnesota. You can quote me on that. We're down to twenty eight and a half teams in the NBA now. <laughs> That's right. Thanks to Celtics, they're they're making their way. It's Murderers Row, just like that. Does All right, t- Bobby. Does what, it, uh, real what, quick, does it, uh, to yeah. pull the Celtics into this? How much do you think the end of his Chicago tenure and pretty much the final year of his Minnesota tenure? Uh, damage the reputation that Tibbs built in Boston with the great Celtics championship team in the eyes of fans in the NBA. I mean, it's, it's for recency bias alone, probably damages it pretty well. But I think when people think of Tibbs, they think of a hard nosed, you know, stubborn old school coach who doesn't really give a crap what you think. Yeah. And I think it's important to have those coaches stick around because there's a lot of players coaches out there now, which is just the way of the league. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just the modernized era of coaching. And Tibbs is not about that at all. Ask Jimmy Butler. He'll tell you firsthand. So I just think that people will i hope actually let's rephrase that i hope that when people think of tibbs they think of his hard-nosed style and essentially running players into the ground at times but either way he's a great coach back in the back in you know his heyday with some of those bulls teams he he really put together some nice squads and obviously had a solid role with the celtics here too and also i'm from connecticut he's from new britain connecticut so i have to represent 
you know, the 860 and, and representing Central Connecticut with and Tom a, Thibodeau. And a Salem State grad, no doubt about that. Maybe, right. maybe one right. of those guys who, if LeBron James doesn't exist, has a better legacy to him, and there are quite a few of those. So that's episode <laughs> one, Chris. Good job. High five. We'll see you guys High next five. time after a few more games, and welcome to the show. 